Ridge Nation, welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight we are joined by Micah Morgan, who is the recent winner of the Canal Corridor 100 mile endurance run and set the women's course record as well. We talk all about what it's like to run in Birmingham, Alabama, as well as the other races that she's done. Sit back, relax, this is a good one. Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, we are joined by an incredible guest who recently set the women's course record at the Canal Corridor 100-mile endurance run, finishing in 14 hours, 52 minutes, coming to us all the way from Alabama. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Micah Morgan, how are you doing? What's up? I'm good. What's up? We're so excited to have you on the show tonight. This is going to be an awesome show to kind of recap your race and just kind of learn about you as an ultra runner. You've done so many incredible things uh, throughout your career, so we're excited to dive into those uh, tonight. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Hart, and holding down the fort with me tonight is a man who hopes to run 14 hours in a 100-miler himself in just three weeks' time at the Rims River 100-miler, sixth man of the nation, Cam Branch. What's up, dude? That's, that's the most obnoxious prediction I've ever heard. My half marathon PR is like 134 or something, man. You can't, you can't be doing this to me. Uh, I thought you were going to say your half marathon times 14 hours. Cause I, yeah, who knows? <laughs> I mean, let's, there's some half marathons that take me 14 hours. I bet. Definitely. Definitely. Well, let's start things off with how we normally start things off with what everyone is drinking tonight. Uh, Micah, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking water. I know I'm boring, but I don't have the beer and alcohol gene or the beer and wine gene. So I'm sticking with the agua. That's a great choice. Great choice. And I just got home from vacation. So you're probably uh, rehydrating a little bit from that and the uh, race, I'm sure. That's a definitely. That's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Cam, what about you? I am drinking a summer honey from Big Sky Brewing here in Missoula, Montana, as always using uh, this lovely coaster made for me by my friend Alex Dyer, also of Missoula, Montana. So what about you, Wesley? I've got the Mystic Mama from Jackie O's, classic for me. Uh, decided to pull this one out tonight for an Ohio race, you know, only a couple of races that I can pull this one out for. So Canal Corridor is definitely deserving of that. Uh, let's dive into things. It's going to be a fun show. You know, as always, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Strava, join our Ridge Runners Club on Strava. That's filled with so many incredible runners from around Ridge Runner Nation. Uh, Micah, before we dive too deep into things about your performance this year and kind of everything that went into the 14 hours and 52 minutes of the race, uh, take us back to the first moment that you learned about the Canal Corridor 100 miler and why you decided to sign up for that race. Oh, yeah. So Emily Collins uh, reached out after. Uh, so we were supposed to be in Romania for the 24 hour world championships. And so when they canceled, that was around July. Emily reached out and she said, hey, do you want to come do this race? And I said, why not? Let's do it. So um, and I'm so glad I did. It was wonderful. But it was I have to give 100 percent to Emily for that one. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's so cool to see like, you know, race directors being proactive and you're trying to get like the best of the best to their races. And obviously Canal Corridor has had some incredible runners run their races in the recent years. Um, did you know anything about like the course? Did you know it was a flat and fast race or was it kind of just like, hey, just come run it. It's going to be an awesome time. Yeah, she said it was um, flat, fast, um, but I can't say over or enough about how incredible that trail was and how lucky people from Ohio are to have it. It was miles and miles of just gorgeous trail. We don't really have anything like that here. And I think the whole time I was just in awe of every single mile, how beautiful it was and just how lucky they are to have that in their backyard. It was amazing. Yeah, it's such a special little trail that just runs through, you know, Akron area and the, just that Cuyahoga Valley National Park region. But yeah. I mean, it's just like so interesting because there are so many parts of that, you know, uh, on our recent Ridge Runners Live show, uh, you know, we were talking about how like you just kind of get lost in that on the trail. You know, there's moments where you, it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere kind of, but you're actually in like a very suburban area. Yeah. It's kind of a cool, cool little aspect of it. Um, what was your training like going into this? Obviously, uh, you've done some pretty impressive things in uh, the recent years. But, you know, what did training look like for you leading into this race? Yeah, so we we do a lot of road, you know, running here in Birmingham. We have we have trails, 
a lot of the trails are technical, but you know, I have a full-time job. So getting to trails are difficult sometimes during the week. So I do a lot of road miles. I have a fantastic running group here in town. Uh, we wake up all at 4 a.m., uh, 4.15, 4.30 in the morning. And we run, uh, we run anywhere from like 10, probably to 15 consistently in the morning. Um, but we have a great group, mixed guys, girls. We, uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic group, all sorts of walks of life. And uh, we have a great time running. So people are always like, oh, 4.30 is awful. But we make it really, really fun. But it, I just did a lot of just miles, repetitious miles over and over, um, kind of 80, 90 mile weeks um, is probably where I kind of just stayed. I, I really didn't go above 90 this time for this um, and just kind of hung right there. So on the actual race day, you did a lot of your training in, in a group environment. And I want to ask about the 430 thing too. Um, yeah. But going from a group environment with a lot of close friends, you know, and the bonds that you develop with your running friends are really different than with other friends that there's a lot of that closeness there. Were you looking to replicate that in the race? Were you looking to stick with a group, stick with somebody? Or was it just kind of, I'm locked in. If I'm alone, I'm alone. That doesn't matter. Yeah, I, now I do. I will take a couple of runs and just run by myself for 20, 25 miles. And I do keep that kind of on the back burner. But I'm not going to lie. I was so excited to finally have pacers for this one. Uh, I really, really enjoyed. I had a, a good friend and then my husband paced um, this race whenever they could join. And so um, that was a big part of this one. Uh, I haven't had any races lately. I feel like where I've had uh, it's always, it's just been kind of me out there. So it's been really, really nice just to kind of just smile, laugh, talk, uh, you know, I guess the best you can through a hundred miles, like towards the end, I guess that wasn't very pleasant, but, um, having them there was excellent. So I was excited having a pacer kind of pumped me up for this one. Absolutely. And then, um, going back to, you know, these early morning group runs, you say they're a lot of fun, but you're, you're up at four thirty. um, how does that change then when you're sort of like in race mode? I know a lot of races are early starts, but are you trying yeah. to like replicate your, the same morning every day, like going into the race, you're just like, it's just another day or is it special? Do you have any kind of different rituals you do? Yeah, I try, um, you know, I try to do things that are, you know, no one wants to get up at 4, 4 a.m. or 4.30 to run. So kind of I try to train doing some things that I don't like to do. And I think that helps a little bit race day. Um, I don't I, you know, this sounds so it probably sounds so bad, but I really try not to think about the distance going into these races and just more of just kind of being in the moment each mile as it goes by, I think if I sat and kind of thought about a oh, hundred miles, that's so long, I would probably psych myself out. So I probably just try to, I try not to think about it. And I really let my husband's really good about kind of taking all the, the nitty gritty details of everything. And he'll look at the weather and say, Hey, it might rain, take a jacket. And then I just kind of keep it out of my mind and keep it off the forefront, but running it, you know, running at those early hours when you don't want to get up, you want to stay in the warm bed. I mean, I think that's helpful for some of this. So, um, I mean, I think it's helpful, I guess, running early in the morning, but no, I don't think any major rituals though. I just, I try to keep it just off the forefront of my brain. I think. You know, one thing I kind of thought that was interesting there is you kind of mentioned how you kind of do things that, you know, a lot of people would think are incredibly difficult, you know, like waking up at 4.30 to challenge yourself to do. You know, how do you find the balance between doing that and challenging yourself in a positive way and then like not letting it be a burden, though, on your like mental state and the other kind of things? Because obviously, you know, if you go probably too far in that direction, uh, it could probably be a, like a reverse effect or kind of talk yeah. about that relationship and how you manage um, pushing yourself to your limits. I try to find that balance, which is kind of being uncomfortable. So sometimes it may be, you know, when everybody's kind of, you know, when everybody's run in the morning, you know, there's some weekends I'll try to run midday by myself and just try to try to do um, just being just being comfortable with uncomfortable, I guess. And just as far as, um, you know, I've, I've done some I like music. So sometimes going to a concert, staying out late and then making myself get up and, and just um, uh you know, running when I want to sleep in or kind of running in the rain when I don't want to run in the rain kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I guess it's a balance. It is a balance and I don't have all the answers to it, but I think I'm still learning that kind of with each race and each day of training. I mean, it's still, it's just a, 
I'm just kind of a work in progress trying to go through this, but um, definitely, I, I mean, there's, a, there is a balance and I think I'm still working every day to try to find it. I mean, I think we all are, to be honest. I know, yeah. I know, I know I am personally and Cam, I could probably uh, test for you as well, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's super awesome to kind of hear that relationship and kind of talk about uh, how you found the balance and kind of what that looks like for you in your training. Because I think that's important for a lot of runners. Uh, kind of transitioning now to the back to Canal Corridor specifically, uh, kind of take us through like what the weekend was like before the race leading up to it. You know, when did you get into town? What was the atmosphere like at Packet Pickup? You know, did you kind of see Emily and a bunch of other people before the race or did you meet some people at Packet Pickup that really were like uh, kind of inspiring you or, you know, were excited to run with you throughout the day? Yeah, so we, um, when Worlds got canceled, Pam Smith and I, we were like, hey, let's, you know, Emily reached out and we said, let's do this. So we got an Airbnb. And so we met Pam at the airport, picked her up and um, got back to the house, got settled and then went to packet pickup, um, met Emily. And, you know, too, after last year, just not seeing anybody and not racing with these people that you've kind of met over the years. I mean, it gets lonely and your heart hurts and you kind of long to see those people that you've raced against in the past. And so seeing Emily and and seeing Pam, Pam's a good friend. So we, we get to talk, but I haven't seen her in a while. And, um, you know, that just, that does something and kind of stirs the spirit. So it was just, it was exciting. And then when we were at packet pickup, uh, you know, Pete walked up and we haven't seen Pete in a while. And so it was good to see Pete. Um, and it was just, you know, everybody was so happy. So it was just a good vibe. It was very laid back, very chill. Um, but it just, I don't know, it kind of warms the heart when you see all those people. So it was laid back, but running, running with Pam and having Pam there, she's kind of, a mentor to me. She's kind of taken me under her wing and she's kind of really helped me through, um, through this journey. And so having her there was, was awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome to have her at these Ohio races. You know, a lot of Virginia Nation members were runner will remember 2019 when Mohican 100 when she took the win there and absolutely just crushed oh, yeah. that race there. So she's got a history in Ohio, which is kind of uh, <laughs> really, really awesome to see. Uh, Cam, I think you had something here. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, something that I was thinking about was, uh, Mike, you're describing your approaches and, you know, doing things that you don't want to do. And then being in the moment, you know, not thinking about the weather, thinking about what mile is coming up next, um, in a race like canal corridor, where while it is a great trail, a lot of it looks the same, you know, it's the dirt kind of double track through the woods with trees on either side, the canal on the one side or the river on the one side, how do you stay in the moment when your brain can get kind of fuzzy because you're looking at almost the same thing the whole time? Yeah. You know, you try to find the joy in each mile. So I use a lot of music. I'm a music person. I love music. So I think the first 20 miles, I probably ran kind of consistently with Pete. So got to talk to him for a little while. Then it was put the music on and kind of get lost there. But, you know, the I guess the monotony, like you're saying, of the trail, but just seeing like different landscapes and, you know, different cities, um, different people. I get really pumped up seeing other people on the trail as well. So there were other people kind of passing along that were like, hey, girl, good job, you know, seeing probably like a race bib. Um, so having those people and then kind of, I think as it got a little bit more urban on the other side and a little bit more into the city, um, there was like a little fall festival going on and all these people were kind of dressed in their fall clothes, looking at pumpkins and kids were everywhere. So it kind of, it was, it was really beautiful on that side. And then just seeing the, the trees change, we kept laughing the whole time. Cause we were like, it's, it's fall, it's October and it looks like it, but it's so hot out here. It just doesn't make any sense. But uh, we just kept laughing through that. But I just try to take in. It's just, you know, going to somebody else's state and city and just kind of seeing what they have and just the difference, even if it is kind of same trail, same canal. I mean, there's still beauty to be seen kind of with each mile at all. It's it's all the same, but it's but it's all different, too, at the same time. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great answer. And, you know, that's frankly a, a very different perspective. Right. I, I grew up probably about 15 minutes from where that trail ends actually yeah. like the Southern terminus of it. So I, it makes total sense that you're seeing it from a very different perspective when you're seeing it for, for the first time. Yeah. And not to, I guess, not to whine about what, you know, what we don't have here, but we have some trail. We just don't have the, the, the miles and just the distance. And it was just, Oh, it was, 
I was so jealous the whole time, but so excited, you know, to be there. It was just, it was incredible. I, I wish I had that every day. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And something you mentioned, you know, was kind of the the fall vibes there in the Akron Cuyahoga Valley area. Um, but that it was still super, super hot on race day. Oh yeah. Um, did you feel more prepared for a hotter, humid race coming from Alabama or did you do any specific heat training even to be prepared for this? Yeah, I think, you know, we're, I guess I hate to say the word lucky, but we're lucky here. It's humid all the time. I mean, it's hot. We do have colder months, but I mean, when it's hot, it's hot and it's humid. So I'm at least I'm used to the humidity, but I'm also, I think it's made me smart enough to know because, you know, going into this race, we really wanted a PR and just really go after it. But about probably 11, 12 o'clock, we kind of said, okay, it, it is really humid. Let's not do anything stupid today. Let's just kind of, you know, let's just uh, kind of maintain where we are and not push too much. So we uh, we backed off a little bit, um, which I, I guess it's we had to kind of come off the original goal. I'm thankful for, you know, everything that happened, but... I think the humidity, I, at least I, I know enough to say it's time to back off and not push anymore. But I think I think the humidity helps, especially for things like bad water, jackpot, going kind of West Coast, doing those races. I, I think the humidity helps. I think some of them would disagree, but I feel I feel like going into to dryness, the humidity is definitely it's helpful. It's it's a big change. Um, yeah. I just moved uh, about two months ago out to Missoula, Montana, and for the first time in my life earlier this year, I went to visit Wesley where he lives in Utah and experienced running in the not humidity. Um, and it was quite a change, um, being like dry at the end of a run. I was not mentally or emotionally prepared for it really. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely different. And it's, it's sometimes you're like, Oh, I'm not sweating. I'm not soaking wet, but then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm a little, you know, get an hour after it. And you're like, I am so thirsty. Like, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. completely different. We always, I guess it's like poor man's altitude training out here, but, um, but I mean, I like, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. I think I'd even change, like get some heat and humidity out here where I am right now. Cause there's snow out my window right next to me right Stop here. It. So I'll, uh, I'll take some heat and humidity, whatever you guys got over there. Uh, we'll make a little trade. So, uh, that sounds like it's a good plan there. Uh, I want to kind of want to talk about like you, you said, you mentioned your goals going into this race. What were those? Did you have a time goal place goal? I want to shatter the course record by X amount of hours. What were your goals going into this race? Yeah, you know, if 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 I be honest, you know, whenever Worlds got canceled, we all, you know, kind of felt sorry for ourselves for a little while and, you know, kind of went through the ups and downs of that and then just kind of said, you know, we move on. It's It's been a year or, or longer, you know, through COVID for everybody. So get over it, you know. And, and so once we started really just focusing down, I definitely, we wanted to PR this course and run it really hard. So um, which I still, I still think we did. And I'm, I'm thankful for what we had that day, but, um, the goal was, um, to try to, to try to get down on the, on the all time list of a hundred milers and see if we couldn't do, you know, maybe get more like a 1430 or, or, or below. I, I, I feel like it's in my bones, but you know, it, it wasn't the day for it, you know, but, um, that was kind of the goal and it still is the goal. And, you know, I, I, if it was easy, you know, why have goals? So it's just, something to keep chasing for. That's incredible to hear. And we're hoping that you hopefully come out to the race again next year and uh, maybe tackle it at, uh, at go for it again at next year's race. Yeah, I'd love but, to. Um, kind of going like a deep dive in your race now. Take us through those early miles. You said you kind of hung out with Pete and kind of eased into things. But what did that look like, you know, on paper? Were you guys like focusing on splits every mile? Or were you guys kind of just like bopping along? Or what did that look like? Kind of take us through a deep dive of the early part of your race. Yeah. So there was a, um, kind of a, a couple, a couple of guys that were up front. We were all kind of clustered together, just kind of, you know, just chatting away. But, um, as we kind of started moving on, you know, the lead guys kind of pulled out a little bit. Um, and then Pete and I, we just talked about, you know, just catching up on everybody's year and family and, you know, what's next. And I know he's got big goals for next year and he was talking about those a little bit. And, um, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, we talked a little bit about heartache again of, I hate to keep bringing it up, but just like, you know, the world and, and those types of things. So, uh, we were talking about that, but it was dark. And I'm going to tell you this, I had my headlamp. It was so dark. I was not letting peek away from me at the beginning because it was so dark. Um, <laughs> so I was like, just whatever you have to do, just stay next to him. But, uh, it was, uh, 
we, you know, we just, we didn't really look at pace. Um, we were kind of talking about fueling and what, what each other has found, you know, nutrition wise, any new things, you know, to try. So we were just kind of, I guess, talking about that for, for a while. And then, um, I guess he was telling me a little bit more about the trail and I think him or he and a friend has, they've run the trail. Um, I think, I think the whole entire length of it. So he was kind of talking about that. So it was, a, it was kind of interesting to hear, but um, then a guy kind of came up and he's like, this is my first ultra. Um, a, a friend, I think he said a friend had, uh, I think he tried to do, he was over 24 hours and this guy was like, Oh, I'm getting sub 24. I'm beating my friend. So he, we were kind of helping him along a little bit too. So, um, but yeah, that was about the first 20. And then I think I had a um, TMI bathroom stop and then Pete got a little bit ahead of me at that point. So um and then Pete was kind of joking. I took a bathroom stop and then Pete ran off and told my husband that I had dropped out of the race and I wasn't coming back and scared my husband to death. He was like, what are you talking about? So um, we had a few laughs through the first 20, but that was that was the beginning, I guess. Oh, man. And to to be honest, just saying that you had a bathroom stop at Canal Quarter is by far away from TMI for this show, to be fair. Okay, good, We've good. Had a good company then. Very in-depth bathroom stories from this exact race on. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you're in good company. Okay. Exactly. And I think, I mean, I think the man who told that, Arlen Glick, is the course record holder for the men's race, right? Believe so. I was, I'm counting on Wesley to know that. Cause I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just should 100% know that offhand, but I honestly don't. I, th- I think he I, does have the course record. He's, he's got them all in Ohio. He's got them all in Ohio. So I assume he's got canal too, but I could be wrong. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, kind of going through the, you, you talked about the middle part, the beginning part there and that, you know, it was kind of cool to hear like, you know, the banter that you and Pete had and, you know, that funny story, you know, I feel like that a lot of a lot of races, you know, people wouldn't have that interaction or, you know, you couldn't joke around to someone's crew member that they dropped out or, you know, you might get punched in the face kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. what, what, what was like those middle miles like for you, you know, when the heat of the day finally started to kind of come about and like you made that decision to slow it down? What did that look like practically? Like, did it look like longer aid stations? Did it look like, hey, could slow the pace down overall or how did that play out for you on race day yeah so you know the, there was one section around i think mile like 27 30 right through there that had to go off course and so that was it that was a little hillier than expected so i just try to i tried to kind of step back a little bit just take the hills as they as they came um so that was a little surprising um and then I just tried to get myself to the pacer. So I just tried to zone out. I used music until I could have a pacer, which was around mile 47. Um, but I, I guess as it heated up, um, I talked, uh, did the music. And then I think uh, I talked to Israel for a little while. Like he kind of, he dropped back a little bit. And then uh, I met him and uh, we talked for a couple miles. And then once I picked up the pacer, um, kind of drop the music. And then that's when we kind of said, okay, it's getting a little warm out here. Let's just kind of cruise. And then uh, we just kind of found our rhythm. Uh, there's a friend of mine, her name is Wendy. And then my husband, Carrie. And so Wendy and Carrie just kind of divided out however they wanted to get the miles in. And uh, so we just kind of got to the next pacer stop after that. And it just kind of became, um, you know, just a checking boxes at that point. And so that was the middle of the race. Um, I did have a little bit of calf issues. Um, I haven't really had a, too many issues in the past, but I actually made like a shoe change. Um, I guess it was about mile 50. Um, and I usually, I have not had to do that in the past. So I was a little kind of freaked out and kind of scared me of what, what, what's going to happen. What am I supposed to do here? But um, having them, they kind of calmed me down. We changed shoes quickly and then got back moving and then that kind of helped. So that was, I guess that was the middle part, I guess. And then, um, you know, towards the end, it was just, it was just cruising home. It was hot. So it was just kind of cruise. Um, that last out and back was, it was beautiful. That's the part that looked like fall. And I was like, okay, fall's here. And it was beautiful. Um, so, uh, we had a, uh, well, I guess that was kind of the end of it, but there was a few little scares, um, turning onto that section, I guess around maybe like 75 or 80 ish. It looked like people had moved the flags. And so we thought we were off course for a while. I was about to panic. Um, the guy, the second place uh, male, he was freaking out. His pacer was like, "Are you, oh, is this correct? And we were like, I don't know. We're following you. So we had a big scare. Um, but otherwise, uh, I mean, otherwise it was great. So it was just kind of clicking boxes after after that. 
and then just getting home. And then that last climb back up to uh, the finish line, man. Oh, but it was good. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot to dive into there, especially that last climb. You know, it's funny to, because it's probably only a couple hundred feet, but you know, after you do a 90 something miles, you know, it's on a flat course, any climb at all is going to feel pretty significant. Uh, but my producer, JD3, did let me know Arlene Glick is the current course record holder of the Canal Quarter 100. Paul Jacobs just missed it by two minutes. So I'd be remiss wow. if I didn't add that in there uh, for this year. Uh, but the one thing I kind of want to dive into, and I think a lot of uh, ultra runners are going to kind of have thoughts on this as well, is shoe changes in ultra running. You know, especially at an aid station, 50 miles in, you know, that could kind of change things positively or negatively. Do you have yeah. a backup plan in place just in case, like, you know, maybe in five miles, you know, I'll go back to the original pair of shoes if it's not working. What did that look like on a deeper level? Yeah, I now I always take kind of an extra, you know, there's a second and third pair at every race, but I normally I don't have to change, but I was in a, a Hoka Gaviota or a Gaviota, which I normally race in, but for some reason my calf just started bothering me. So I went into um the Nike Invincible that has a higher drop just to see if I could get the pressure off of the calf and it ended up it was perfect. It was what I needed and so I got a little nervous because I blister like a mother. I mean, it is bad, but uh, I was scared that kind of that drop was just going to eat my toes to pieces, which it did, but it ended up being okay. And I didn't have to go back to um, the Hoka's, which I still love Hoka's and I'd still race in them any day, but um, it, it threw me off mentally a little bit. I was, I was really nervous. I don't know. I don't know why my calf did what it did, but I mean, that's, that's running an injury, but, um, but it ended up being okay. And then um husband is a, a PT and he um, coaches. And so he was kind of there to kind of calm me down and kind of get me back out there and just, you know, not worry about it. But, uh, but definitely the higher drop helped. Mm -hmm. You may have already kind of um, answered this in that last bit there, but going from um, the Hoka Gaviota, which is more of a motion control shoe. I yeah. Hoka calls it the J frame to the, the Nike, which if I know correctly, I, used to work on a shoe wall. Um, we didn't sell Nikes. Um, that doesn't, it just has the, uh, the zoom X foam or whatever yeah. the different foam is. Do you think that maybe it had something to do with going away from a motion control shoe to something that's a little bit less stable? Yeah. I mean, I guess kind of that drop and in, in the, the kind of foam less stability, I don't, maybe it helped a little bit. I usually don't run in a Nike. Um, but for just for whatever reason, it did help. But I have, I mean, I have big, my arches are pretty high. And so my husband always tells me, why are you in this stability shoe all the time? But it just kind of fits and works. Um, but it went, I guess, from uh, like a four to five to a nine millimeter. And it just, for just that day, at least it helped, you know, but then the Nike, but I, I mean, I typically don't use the Nike all the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, it's, it's good to know that you're just kind of sitting with it. Cause I think some folks get a little too, too into shoes, myself included, right. Just based on, you know, Oops, so. sorry, guys, <laughs> no worries. I knew yeah. that was about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we always welcome any pet guest stars. I know. Um, Jealous. Yeah. But you know, um, where you're not thinking too much about well, like, Oh, the Gaviota has this technology in it. Right. It's more like, this feels good and it works for me. So this is what I'm yeah. running in. Yes. That's exactly where I'm at. Like, I mean, like I said, my husband's PT and he's so the science of everything, the shoe, the running, the, you know, I just kind of let him take in all that and he'll kind of, you know, regurgitate it out and tell me all the science about it. But I just try to do what feels good at the moment. And, and that's usually what I base it off. I wish I had a good, like, this is the science and this is what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of a, let's just take it as we go and just see what happens kind of person. So kind of going off that, you know, obviously making that shoe change and having that calf issue kind of arise is, you know, a big deal for like a lot of people during a hundred mile, it could totally derail your race. And obviously yeah. you're able to push through it, but kind of talk about, you know, what was the darkest moment during this 100 mile race? And maybe that was it, but like, how did you get out of that moment and continue to like kind of realize, okay, we're still on pace. We can still do something awesome today. Yeah. You know, my darkest moment for some reason was kind of between somewhere around like mile 30. I don't, I just started, I don't know what happened. I just, I guess it was after kind of Pete took off a little bit and it was just kind of in that first, you know, when you kind of realize I've got 70 miles by myself, you know, kind of coming up and, you know, pacers are not going to be, I just started feeling really just kind of 
I don't know what it was, just kind of getting in that dark spot for absolutely no reason. And then um, that's probably when I turned the music up the highest and just kind of got lost in it and just said, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself, like push it out. And then we had on the other end of this, we had a vacation planned. And so it was like, you have one day of just get it done. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be rough, but it's one day of your life, like get it over with. You can do this. And so just kind of fighting that kind of inner, you know, when the, when the brain wants to tell you to stop, it hurts, you can't go on. I kind of enjoy that, the overcoming, I guess, of that feeling when you just say, Hey, for whatever reason, dig deep in your heart and find it and just kind of come out of that dark moment. I think I really thrive off of that. And it just feels, it feels good just to say like, I, you know, what, for whatever reason, my brain says no, but my heart says yes. And I'm going to come out of it. Um, but I mean, after that, after that, I, I really felt great and had a, a good race, but I couldn't really tell you what happened. It was just kind of probably mile 30 to 40. I just, I don't know. I just felt sorry for myself. And then I was like, this, you have no reason to feel sorry for yourself. It's beautiful. You know, eat something, take some salt tabs, drink some fluids, you know, listen to the beat of the music and just keep going. Yeah, no, I think a lot of runners can resonate with that, you know, having being in a dark spot and then trying to find a way to pull themselves out of it, you know, whether it be music or, you know, telling themselves to stop throwing a temper tantrum and, you know, yeah. all, all, all that kind of stuff that you can tell yourself out there on the trails. But I mean, it, it is real. It happens out there. And um, I know for myself, sometimes it's like, hey, like you get to do this, you know, think of it like a flip exactly. mindset. And then from there, you can kind of uh, continue to press on and uh, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, one thing yeah. I think Ridge Our Nation needs to pay attention to here is you dropped an incredible pro tip that I don't think any other uh, live show guest has ever dropped. And that's you went directly to a week long vacation after you finished your 100 miler. I think that's like something everyone needs to do. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Did uh, that obviously, I mean, recovery had to be phenomenal out like with that, I, right? I will, yeah, recovery was awesome. Now, we again, we were supposed to be in Romania. We saved all our vacation up for um, a trip. And so after this, we just said, hey, let's just go to Aruba after this uh, this race. And I think my boss, too, was like, you need a break. You need to kind of go, you know, go go relax somewhere, get away from work, get away from your brain and just kind of relax and chill um, so we, yeah, we took a vacation and it was absolutely gorgeous. I wish I could do that after every race, but that's not feasible. But, uh, but yeah, we just, we got lucky in this. We typically don't do that, but, um, but it was wonderful. I would well, suggest it for anybody. Shout out to your boss for, uh, you know, recommending it. And then also <laughs> for is- you to be picking the two most beautiful spots in the world to visit, like in a week period, you know, Ohio and Aruba, yeah. it's going to be awesome for you to exactly. uh, see both those places, uh, kind exactly. of tra- transitioning back into the race now, you know, we talked about like the hardest moment and how you overcame that. What was your most, what was your happiest moment out there on the course? Obviously you talked about the beautiful course and, you know, the interactions you had with Peter Leon, but what was the most memorable moment for you at this year's race? Yeah, I think, you know, there's several. There's, um, you know, running a race with people um, like, you know, like Pam Smith. Um, it, I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm, I'm honored and lucky to call her a friend. Um, she has mentored me. She doesn't have to, you know, and she has really taken the time to just really become a good friend. Um, so getting to race with her, um, taking a friend along that has no clue about ultras and now is kind of like, could I run a 50 K after this, you know, so kind of start, you know, kind of spurring somebody else along just to say, okay, so you've run a marathon, but can you push a little bit further and just go that extra and just kind of seeing her heart stir a little bit. Um, but I will say one of the funniest things, and it's so silly, but it made me laugh so hard is there was an aid station. Um, I think around the seventies and this very sweet volunteer, I kind of come up to the station and I'm kind of looking around like what in the world can I grab at this point? And she's like, we have tuna sandwiches. And I kind of look up at her and I'm like, what, you know, like tuna, no. And she, the, the, this other lady ran up and she's like, no, 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 no. It's Turkey and cheese. And I was like, okay, I think I can do that. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so no way. But I was, um, we laughed so hard at that. And then she ended up sending me a message after and she was like, we did not have tuna. I was like, I know you didn't have tuna sandwiches, but I mean, it was silly, but it was so funny, but it was a good moment to just kind of like pick yourself back up at that. Like, I think it was around maybe like 75, somewhere in there. So maybe 80 kind of mark, but it cracked us up. We laughed so hard. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so tuna sandwiches, um, notwithstanding, <laughs> right. Which frankly, my, I, I've heard, I think it might've been a Horton race, but like pickled uh, pig's feet at a race. Oof. That might be the only thing I've heard of worse at an age station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I couldn't do the pickled pig's feet, but, but uh, yeah, but the tuna, I love tuna, but not, not race day. Absolutely. And so keeping with this topic, then what was, um, what was your strategy like going into aid stations? You mentioned you had your husband there crewing for you. Um, you know, were you in and out? Was it like, Hey, you're going to have this full bottle and you're going to hand it to me and I'm not even going to stop. Or did you kind of linger? Did you have any set strategy or, you know, was it totally just, I'll take it as it comes. Yeah, we, we kind of took it as it, as it comes. I think, you know, some days I think with nutrition, you think, you know, you'd have a race and go, oh, this worked well, I'm going to stick with it. And then you go to the next race and it's like nothing that you want. You know, you went to the store and you bought all this stuff and you're like, I don't want any of this. And so I was kind of facing a little bit of that during this race. Um, but uh, I would just kind of go to the aid stations um, pretty much that uh, Canal Corridor provided and just kind of say, okay, you got two seconds, pick something, take it, get out of here. Um, I think uh, Tracy Falbo had called my husband and was like, make her drink this fluid and take in this stuff and get these calories in, take two bottles. Um, But uh, I was, I started running out of fluids in between the stations. And so I kind of communicated with them, you know, give me some, uh, whenever I see you guys, give me a bigger bottle. Or um, I was stopping at the, um, like the water that Emily and them provided. And so, um, I was just trying to stick with, um, I do a lot of noon, noon kind of helps the noon endurance helps, um, sometimes tailwind, sometimes just straight Coke or Mountain Dew, um, orange soda, something like that. But, uh, I did a lot of just straight water. I feel like in noon on this one, uh, I, I, I guess, I guess it changes every time. I wish I had a good strategy, but I feel like the nutrition part I am learning and I mess it up every time, but it's a, that's a work in progress. I'm glad it's still a work in progress for you because yeah. uh, at least I still, you know, have some room to grow because I, I, my goodness, like to be able Man. to run 14, you know, the time you did and I still have nutrition to be a work in progress is unbelievable. So that's, uh, that's awesome to hear. Uh, kind of transitioning now. I want to know what that moment was like for you crossing the finish line, obviously knowing that you won the race, but like, what was that moment like to be able to cross the finish line, have Emily there, I'm sure. And just kind of, what was that like? Yeah, no, it felt, it felt good. It was a good finish line. Um, it was well, you know, well supported. People were happy. Um, it's always a good feeling just that last mile, you know, the last of it, I think I was with my husband and I was like, how much longer do we have? You know? And he's like half a mile, 0.4, 0.3, but just crossing that line. Uh, I mean, it, it, it feels good. There's just nothing, you know, whether you're number one or you're the last person to cross that line, it's a long distance. And you just have to be proud of every single person that crossed in front of you or that you crossed before. And it's just such an honorable feeling of just knowing like, hey, like we did this together. This was a long distance and people don't, the general population doesn't do this. And, you know, we just kind of found this common ground of just this hard task. So it feels good to kind of just take that big breath, put your hands on your knees and just say, you know, it's done, it's finished. And we put in the work, um, but it feels good. Absolutely. That's, that's such a great answer. Um, we do have a comment in the chat from a uh, Ray Kilgore, I promise we won't spend too much time on this. I have a question to follow up, but okay. he says, other than the mercury, the dying oceans and the cruelty of fishing, what's wrong with tuna during a race? <laughs> you know what, Ray, you make, you make a strong argument. Um, you know, hey, some people have strong stomachs and they can do it, but you know, just when you're, it's just the last thing to come across your head when you're like, oh, tuna, like fish, but some people eat sushi and they do very well. So I just, I haven't, I haven't made it that far yet. Ooh, that's, that's a new one. I, yeah. I'd be surprised if Wesley Hart had ever even eaten sushi just in general. I have. <laughs> thankfully, you know, I get to try some interesting food uh, work or whatnot. So luckily I get like, you know, salmon, sushi and get roped into stuff that I would normally never try personally, but I have had it. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I will have to say too, at the finish line, um, the two, the two guys, first and second were there and they were, they were kind of, 
they were there to kind of congratulate and talk it up. And uh, that was really cool too, to have them kind of like standing there whenever I finished. Cause you know, a lot of people cross and they're just like, peace out. See, ya, I'm going to recover. So having those guys there just to kind of, you know, pat you, pat you on the back and you congratulate them at the same time was pretty cool too. Yeah, absolutely. And so one thing I've noticed as we've been having this conversation is, you know, multiple times you've been like, Oh, we just, have to be thankful for. And in your answer to feeling about how you finished, you talked a lot about feeling grateful and gratitude. Do you have uh, like a specific gratitude practice do you do? Um, or does that always just come naturally? You know, I think, I, I, I hope it would come naturally. I think that, you know, we're not guaranteed anything in life, you know, and just to be able to go out and do what we enjoy and experience just the beauty of, like I said, other states, other people's races and um, each other just during this time. I think ultra running just kind of brought this out that, you know, it's, it's always forward progress and we're all doing this together and just, you know, the, I guess, you know, the crap we all went through last year and just isolation and not having these races and each other, just to be able to say, you know, that, that was a dark time and there's no other, it sucked. I mean, it just, it wasn't fun. I mean, I think every single person, whether you're a race director or a volunteer or a racer was affected and, you know, it was just, it was a hard year. So I think just kind of being able to finally get to do what we enjoy, um, it just, it feels good. So, I mean, I just, I, I, I hope I would be grateful, uh, you know, for every single moment I'm given. We're not guaranteed anything. So injury could come at any second. So I just, I, I try to take it all in, you know, just breath by breath, step by step. Great answer. Re- really appreciate that answer. Um, yeah. And so one thing moving on from this, right? No, you got the vacation in Aruba, right? Like Leslie Harden says, kind of an Ohio-like destination. I might disagree. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, going forward, what are your other goals now with having done this race? Are you looking to explore more? Are you looking to come back? Or you may be looking to yeah. go down to Big's Backyard Ultra and run for 38 hours like those boys down there? And, and oh, maybe, I mean, maybe. seriously, like, shout out to Harvey. Good Lord. And Chris, that all of them. That was mm-hmm. crazy. But definitely shout out Harvey. Can I please be Harvey when I grow up? Um, wow. But, uh, you know, I think I'm still new with this. I'm still learning. So, um, I do want to go try to make the, um, 24 hour team again. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, um, definitely try to try to go after that. Um, the qualifying window, I think opens this December. I'm not a hundred percent that that's nailed down, but, um, you know, there's some bigger, you know, races like Spark Tathlon. I'd like to go back to Badwater and fix some mistakes, but I still, the 100 miler, I still feel like I have some unfinished business with the 100 miler. So definitely want to, uh, whether that be going back to Canal or, you know, any other races, I, I just, uh, I just got some unfinished business with that one. I need to go to a cooler, um, cooler temp somewhere and try it, but, uh, uh, but we'll see. But, I guess I'm open to suggestions. If people, I know there's tons of, you know, bigs, you know, maybe, but right now, I mean, I like my sleep too. So I'm a a terrible. I I will say we may know a guy He's already been mentioned here, Arlen Glick, but uh, went right from that canal corridor course record to Tunnel Hill. This was back when canal was in July. Um, So definitely cooler, um, at least generally at that race. Yeah. And pretty flat, like crushed gravel most of the way, I think. Yeah. But I kind of want to transition now. Obviously you talked about like, you know, you're going back to the 100 mile distance, but like just six weeks from now, seven weeks from now, you're going back to a 24 hour distance that you did back in 2018, I believe, where you took uh, second place behind Camille Heron running 140 yeah. miles in 24 hours, desert yeah. solstice. What does that race mean to you? What are you feeling going into it? And the kind of what just those preparations been like? Yeah. So, um, once we'll, we'll do, we'll do a build up to that. I, um, I took off, I try to take off, you know, I try to do like a takeoff every a day for every 10 miles. So I'll, I'll try to start running again, like tomorrow. So we'll build back up for DS. A lot of that is, um, you know, 24 hours are hard. It's mentally grueling. So getting my head in the right space again, I think, um, you know, when we ran in Albi, France, just finding, you know, I feel like there's a dark place you have to go during the 24 hour and just kind of finding peace with that dark area and just, um, you know, making yourself kind of fight through it. 
Um, so I guess I've got to get my head right to do that and get my body back together. Um, but, uh, we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll try to build up some miles, but I think a lot of that 24 hour, I think our bodies can run. It's just getting your head right. So I've, I've really got to work on my headspace, you know, to get there. I really want to make that team again and, and run in China in 2023, but DS is, is wonderful. I met so many incredible people when I got to do it in 2018 and, um, uh, running behind Camille when she set records, that was, that was amazing. So, um, hopefully, hopefully there's a, there's a great group of girls and, and guys that are going to be there, but I'm really hoping that we'll, we'll all push each other and make that list again. So Camille will be there and Whitney and, uh, Marissa. So hopefully we can all just push each other to put up big numbers and, and see where it goes. Yeah, I think Whitney Richmond's going to be at the Runes River 100 uh, in a couple weeks mm-hmm. that we'll be at as well as a kind of final final tune-up race as well. But uh, you yeah. and Camille have spent a ton of time together, uh, you know, yeah. uh, recent years. <laughs> I mean, you were just two minutes apart at uh, the USATF 100-mile road oh, championships yeah. at Jackpot Ultras this March. Yeah. I mean, you've had an incredible year, you know. What's that relationship been like, you know, with her and kind of, you know, at these races, like, you know, being pushed to your limits with someone else that you – probably look up to or admire, at least in the sport as a professional. Yeah, no, she, I mean, she's a fantastic runner. Um, and just to be even, you know, as close as what I, what I've been to her, I mean, I'll take it. Um, hopefully, hopefully one of these days, you know, we'll do get out and I'll take her out, but no, I'm just kidding. No, Camille's (laughs) wonderful. She's talented. So hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep racing together and, uh, you know, we'll keep duking it out, but you know, these, there's, there's some tough ladies, you know, around. And so just to have them and try to keep up and, and stay just, you know, on the loop or, you know, close to them, whatever, whatever the race is, is, is the goal. So I think we all push each other and have good relationships that, uh, I think we just kind of keep spurring each other on and pushing each other to the next limit. So yeah, that's awesome. We're super excited to see you take a W versus uh, versus Camille. Hopefully, you know, in a couple of weeks here at Desert Solstice, uh, that would be an awesome one. Um, kind of, kind of transition now. You know, one thing I want to talk about before we transition into our quick question that we normally end the show with is the running scene in Alabama. You know, we had I yeah. believe Liz Canty on. You know, talked about it earlier this year, and you know, she recently transitioned, moved out to Colorado, and joined everyone else out there. But uh, yeah. kind of talk about you know what is that like to you? Like you know, are there trails nearby? Like what are the road scene like? And kind of how does that uh, play out in your training? Yeah. You know, Alabama's got, we're, you know, there's a big diverse group of people that run the trails for, for us. We live pretty much in Birmingham Metro um, area. You've got to go out just a little bit to get to the trail. So it's usually kind of a weekend thing. Um, We've got Red Mountain and Oak Mountain. Those are great places. Um, Liz Canty's from Huntsville. So she was a couple hours North. They've got a little bit more trails up there as well. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're going to run here, I mean, for the most part, you're, you're on the road. We have some, um, we have some other, you know, kind of greenway trails. They're not as, they're not as long. Um, so we run a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of Hills. Um, but you know, Birmingham is made up of, there's a great group here. So whether your trails, um, we've got, you know, doctors, lawyers, healthcare professionals, stay at home moms, I mean, accountants, um, people that we've been through a lot together. And I think that, uh, we all push each other and it's just, it's more of a family. So we've got a really, really close group here and hopefully too, you know, we've got a few people that have opened the door, I think. And, and I, and I hope, um, myself included that, that are going to push people to get beyond the marathon and just really go after, um, some ultras. And I'm so sorry, this cat, (laughs) it's like, has to be in the in the shot what's her name (laughs) this is pia pia's raised by dogs very jealous of what's going on right now so she's been trying to work her way i've been trying to lean forward this whole time um but uh yeah but birmingham running we always call it running ham here but uh we we've got a great group of people so it's kind of interesting you talked about, you know, how you want to get more marathoners into ultra running. You know, for you, that was quite a transition, I believe, you know, kind of how yeah. you found ultra running and how you signed up for your very first race. I think that's kind of an interesting story. Kind of talk about that and how that uh, kind of came to be. Because I think a lot of people uh, would not really yep. know how that works. So what was that? Time no, it's like? a, yeah, it's an interesting story. So um, I think it was back um, 
2012 or 11, somewhere in there. Um, I literally woke up one morning and my husband's like, guess what? I signed you up for an ultra marathon. I was like, hold on just a second. What are you talking about? What is this? Um, and he signed me up for, um, a 12 hour, it was Delano, um, yeah, the Delano 12 hour. And so uh, I, I woke up and I was like, well, you're not going to, I'm going to do it. If you sign me up for it, you're not winning this. And so I ended up running it and um, I had no clue what I was doing and ended up um, had a good race and uh, kind of said, well, could something develop with this? And I think I, I uh, you guys ever know Rob Youngren, um, he was there and he, we kind of fought it out at the end. And he was like, who is this person? Like, she's on my tail. Like what's going on. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I ended up falling in love with it. And then we just kind of, we did a couple here and there and then kind of really got serious about it. Um, so, uh, that's kind of how it started. I literally was signed up in my sleep and woke up to guess what you're doing. So here we are. <laughs> That is the absolute best story of how anyone's ever found ultra running hands down. I know, right? And, and kind of going it's, off that, go yeah. for it, Kim. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, it's like, I'm just really glad that it went well. Because hearing that story, <laughs> I'm like, ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, I, that was, yeah. That could go gone, really, really, really bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, that could be the story of like how you decided that ultra running is the worst thing in the world and you need to destroy exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm a competitive person and I was like, I will win this. Like you are not going to win this at all. So yeah, no, it was good. <laughs> and so you've kind of talked about your husband a little bit now and the different roles that he's played throughout your ultra running career, but talk about what, you know, your guys' relationship is like and how that's kind of like helped your ultra running career. Obviously, you know, having someone that's supportive and, you know, is able to crew and able to pace is, uh, can be incredibly helpful. What has that meant to you? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm definitely lucky. We're, um, we're, we're best friends. And so he has a group, uh, he does cadence run coaching here in town. And so he's been able to kind of spur people along. And then, uh, it just as he's kind of grown in the science part of the ultra running and all that stuff, he, um, has really pushed me and pushed me beyond, beyond what I ever thought I could do. And so I've just really responded well to him as kind of on the side as spouse, but on the side of, um, of, um, of coach as well. And so he never, never, he knows, he knows kind of my buttons and, and where to go and I know his. And so we try not to push those and we try to listen to each other and talk out, Hey, this is what I'm feeling, or this is what I do or don't want to do. And we kind of find a good, you know, training program, but he's kind of, I think he's kind of found a lot of my buttons as far as, you know, I think you can do this and you can push yourself here um, kind of looking out from the outside and, and, and thank goodness I've responded well, um, to that. Cause I could blow up as well, but he's, um, he, he's, he's been really, really good to push me, but, um, he's a good, um, good coach and he's also a physical therapist. And so, uh, you know, just muscle injury and, you know, which he probably, you know, the shoemakers kids have no shoes sometimes, you know, you think, but he's been really, really kind to kind of work on me and, and, and help through injury. I think sometimes he wants to kill me, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's been good. It's been really, really good. That's, that's so great to hear. We're going to transition now to our quick questions that we love to end the show with. If you've got anything uh, left that you would like to ask Micah, just let us know in the uh, chat on YouTube and I'll make sure to uh, answer those questions, but to go ahead and start uh, Micah, what's one thing you can't leave an aid station without? You know, I think soda, it's just really turned into, I need Coke, Mountain Dew, orange soda, whatever you got, ginger ale, but I'm not leaving without soda. Okay. Um, and so what is the weirdest hallucination you've ever had mid-race or the strangest thing you've ever seen somebody eat at an aid station? Uh, I think hallucinating um, at Badwater going up Mount Whitney. I, I kept talking about all these people that were on Mount Whitney, but it was just clusters of rocks on the side of the road just as we got closer. And my pacers at the time were just like, there's nobody out here but you. <laughs> you know, I'm chasing, I'm, you know, I'm running my tail off trying to get, you know, Pam up that mountain. She's just, she's just beating the heck out of me up the, up Mount Whitney. But I just thought there was, there was people everywhere and there was no one, there was no one. Oh man. That's, that's a great story. Uh, we all, we all hate those crowded trails. <laughs> I know. Right. 
Um, and so this is a, a new question for tonight, um, but you said that you were competitive. So I think it's a good one. Um, what ball sport do you think you could beat other or most other ultra runners in? Like, oh, I was a pitcher back in the day. I played softball. So I feel like I could strike a couple people out, probably would tear my rotator cuff at this point, but I still feel like I got it. <laughs> That's like on our, on our trip to the Tetons, I tried to throw a snowball at John. <laughs> Um, I, just, I was like, oh, my labrum. <laughs> I know, happens? right? <laughs> I, so, thought, yeah. I, did, yeah. I did it all the, you know, I played softball growing up. And then now if I tried to pitch, I think my arm would just, I mean, it would be totally done. All right. Well, if you've got about six or seven in there, we'll set up an exhibition with Nick Voss. He was our, he was our baseball player. So beautiful. Let's, Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So this is uh, another question. It's uh, would you rather, but. Would you rather fight one chicken on day one, two chickens on day two, three chickens on day three, so on for an entire calendar year, or you have the same calendar year to fight uh, or to train uh, to fight one mountain lion at the end of that year? Um, If you're fighting the mountain lion, you can get like a sword and armor and like the whole nine yards. But if you're fighting the chickens, it's just you and whatever you've got on. Okay. Um, I am not a bird person whatsoever, um, but I love cats, as you can tell. I'd probably, I'd probably choose the mountain lion. I'd do my best to uh, be the cat whisperer, but I think I would try to take the mountain lion. I think 365 re- or chickens coming at me would, uh, <laughs> I would just fall over dead. I'd be done. That's yeah. No, I don't. I just so many people have the chickens answer, and this is a pet peeve of mine. But it's like. How many chickens have you seen in a confined space? You know, <laughs> oh my like god, that's, that's not a good look. Even at a hundred, you know, like no. I would like to see a single human being take on a hundred chickens. You know, I would kind of, I would watch too and laugh at that. But you know, I laugh at the YouTube where the one chicken is chasing the one person and they're just screaming at the top of their lungs. I'm like, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. day, day one. <laughs> day one. I'm out. Day one. <laughs> oh awesome. man all right so um you've mentioned a few times tonight that you're you're a big music person and actually we we started this question after we had tracy and arlen on um after last year's canal court r100 uh but if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball what would yours be oh i'm such a queen dork i would probably have to choose um you know, the song that, that don't stop me now tonight. I'm going to have myself a real good time. I feel alive. I, I'm not a singer either, but it's, you know, it's don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. But, uh, you know, if I guess if you're, if you want a more serious song, you could always do like a smells like teen spirit from Nirvana kind of thing too. But, uh, I would hundred percent go with queen. Absolutely. Great answer. And I, we, um, we do have some Nirvana on the, we've made a playlist of all these songs actually. Um, do you have Nirvana on it already? But I think the song is dumb. That smells like yeah. teen spirit. So I'll add them both there for you after the show. Yeah. Um, sweet. So, and this is our, our last of the quick questions. And it's, if you could run with one person in the history of the world, even if they aren't a runner, you know, you're going to go have a nice conversational long run with them. Uh, they're going to keep your pace, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, who would it be and why? Oh, this is a weird one. Okay. My answer is weird, but I think I would have to choose somebody like, uh, Vivian Westwood, who was like punk rock. Um, she was kind of original punk scene back in the day. And then fashion designer that just kind of developed this kind of rebel attitude of just kind of feminine. I'm punk. I don't care, you know, kind of thing. But today she's kind of a um, she's all for, you know, equal rights and, um, she's for women's rights and she's done a lot for the planet. So I, I may choose somebody like her. She seems pretty, uh, pretty punk and pretty cool. So I may have to choose a Vivian Westwood. She's Great. older now. So, but mm-hmm. back in, back in her prime, man, she was, she rocked. Great, great answer. We, uh, we love the answers to this question. We get such a wonderful range. I mean, we've had everybody from, I think Bill Nye, the science guy to, um, one of the first uh, women we asked it to, she was just like, well, I just want to run with my husband, you know, which is just so heartwarming. Um, so my husband's in the background doing this. I mean, why didn't you choose me? Why didn't you choose me? So <laughs> now I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But you get to run with him all the time. Come on. I know, right? Yeah. We need to get to run with Vivian Westwood. You can run with him exactly. tonight. Exactly. Never. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Micah, do you have any sponsors or social media you'd like to plug before we close the show out? 
Um, I will say, you know, Cadence Run Coaching um, is my husband's company. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I have to, I love Noon. I run with their elites and then, uh, and also uh, Honey Stinger elites, but, uh, but that is, that is probably it. Uh, does he do online coaching or is it only the Birmingham area? He does. He does. He does the online coaching ultras and uh, well, every distance, every distance, but online coaching as well as um, this area. Awesome. That's, that's great to know. Ridge Runner Nation, if you're looking for a coach, Cadence Run Coaching, I'm sure you can Google them and find them. Uh, but we want to thank Micah for coming on and celebrating her victory at uh, the Canal Corridor 100 with us. Victory and a course record, such an incredible performance. We were so stoked to have her on. Um, if you've listened this far and you've already made it through, feel free to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube here if you're still tuned into the live show there. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to the show. And because of that, we're actually going to be doing another show, two shows this week. Uh, Jamie and Jamie, our Shawnee 50 show this Friday, will be Jamie Hanks, uh, who finished second, and then Jamie Fensterl, who won the women's race. Uh, so that's Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I was waiting on Wesley for the confirmation. Don't need it. Oh, well. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us tonight. Have a great day. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 o